Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. So here's something that you have probably heard before. Maybe you've said it before. You've heard it. You don't have to be in church to hear it. You've probably heard this. You've probably heard a friend, a family member, um, someone say, maybe you've, you've said this yourself. You've heard this phrase where someone says, you know what? I don't have a problem with Jesus. I have a problem with religion. Anyone ever heard that? Yeah. <laughs> We've heard that once or twice before, and as a result, you hear people saying things like this, and you hear people say, look, I'm not religious. Have you done that when you're at work? You're trying to defend yourself. I'm not religious. I'm a Christian. Uh, you hear people say, uh, I, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritually searching. Uh, I'm spiritual. Now, I think this is the reason why most of the people that say that, particularly the baby boomers and above, they've grown up in religious institutions, religious schools, they've grown up in churches, even if their parents weren't Christians, they'd send them to Sunday school back in the 50s and 60s, right? Because that was just the right thing to be done, hey, Joycey? Uh, That was the generation, certainly, of baby boomers and up. And so a lot of people have had contact with religion, and when they get inside those institutions, here's what they find. They find that Christians are just as angry, (laughs) just as bitter, just as hypocritical, just as judgmental as everyone else. And so, here's their reasoning. Well, you know what? I'm never going to be like that. I'm never going to become religious. I'm never going to find God, because if finding God makes you an angry, judgmental, hypocritical person, I don't want anything to do with that. So, I'm not religious. Now, look, you can't fall into the trap of of what I call the association causation fallacy. That's big words, but it kind of goes like this. Stay with me. Uh, Let's just say that um, John Doe is always getting drunk. You know, on Monday, he's drinking uh, vodka and soda water. And then Tuesday, he's drinking gin and soda water. And then Wednesday, it's Bundaberg rum and soda water. I don't even know if that goes. And And so someone says, what's making John Doe drunk? Soda water, of course. And so to say just because you see this religious person and this religious person and this religious person acting angry and judgmental and hypocritical, don't make the mistake to say that religion is at fault for the anger and the hypocrisy. Because here's the thing, religion has a place, and this is really important. Religion actually has a place. I'm not talking just about Christianity, I'm talking about Islam and Judaism and all of the great religions of the world, because the great religions of the world answer the great questions in life. We kind of need answers to life, don't we? We want to know, like, where do I go when I die? What's the best way to live? Uh, Will I see my mum again? Uh, How should I deal with this life situation? Where do I get wisdom? And religion brings you frameworks and principles and answers to that. What's good? What's right? What's bad? What's wrong? Religion brings you answers to all of that. It tries to answer those life's questions, but here's the thing, as a result, religion can get very predictable, very ordered, (laughs) very one-sided, and so we do need it to some degree, and religion has a place, but here's the thing, it's just not supposed to be first place. It's because when religion starts to become first place in people's lives, here's some of the things that happen. Here's, here's the first thing, you know, when religion ca- becomes first place, then uh, religious leaders become self-righteous and the followers become hypocritical. 
when religion is first place. Hear me out here, right? Because religious leaders, right, and I'm a, I'm a religious leader, and if, relig- if religion takes first place, I'll tell you what us leaders do. We just try and dumb down the rules in the areas of our life that we're struggling with so we can kind of still feel that we're doing an A+, plus, right? And so we just kind of skip stuff. And then here's another thing that us leaders do. Uh, leaders of religion, they start getting at every- angry at everyone else's sin, and they cover it up in a way that makes it look like that they're doing their job really well. But can I tell you as a leader what's really happening beneath the surface? They're just angry and frustrated that everyone else is having so much fun. Right? Because sin's fun. And I'll tell you what, you know, it should be fun, otherwise you're doing sin wrong. Right? <laughs> right? So religious leaders, we end up getting angry because we see everyone else having fun because they get to sin and we can't because we're paid to do what we do, right? And then we start getting angry because the anger always comes with self-righteous. And then as a result, then the followers in those types of environments, they become hypocrites because they're so terrified that they're going to do the wrong thing by the religious leader that they just pretend like they're doing the right thing. And so there we have the dynamic. Yes, you know, church can be full of hypocrites. There I said it if religion takes first place. Here's the other thing that religion does. Uh, Religion tries to reduce life to simple little answers. I know that because I've got a book on my bookshelf and it's like 301 verses for every life situation. Isn't it good to know that in the complexity of your life, all it takes is 301 verses from the Bible? (laughs) It's just brilliant, isn't it? Right, so you you can look it up. There's a concordance of all of the major life's issues that you can look up so as a pastor you can go to the meeting and just kind of keep your cheat sheet in the back pocket okay okay (laughs) right it just reduces life to little answers but haven't you and i found that life is not full of simple answers in fact life is messy and life is complicated and life is gray and life is difficult and we take our religious views into life and we try and apply them into a whole range of situations as if the one view applies for all situations. The most confronting, I, <laughs> I'd heard a story of, and the most clever way that it was dealt with is um, uh, from Barry McMurtry. He was a Church of Christ pastor at the Wollongong Church of Christ, our sister church. And I was at a, a master's class with him over at his mega church uh, that he was leading over in Riverside in California. And he was telling the story of how in the American culture, they can be a lot more prone to set religious views. Have you guys found that? We've got a few Americans in here and, and, and they can be quite set on their religious views. And he was um, dealing with uh, the big issue of the year was uh, abortion over there. And he was the president of the Church of Christ Conference nationally. And so he decided to... Um, preach the way that only Barry could preach if you know him. He was kind of as close to Jesus as I know as a minister. He's a bit of a renegade. And so he didn't get up and didn't, didn't preach a sermon. He didn't make a big deal about it. He simply invited a young woman that he knew up that had been assaulted and had fallen pregnant because of the assault and put her in front of that conference and said, what would you have us do? What's she to do? with your view. Life's messy. (laughs) Religion's clean and organized. 
and religion's a good thing, and the tension that we're feeling at the moment in the room, by the way, is not the first time that this has been felt. When you see the life of Jesus, and some of you are probably already thinking at the moment, what the heck has this got to do with Christmas? Where's the tinsel? Where's... <laughs> Where's joy to the world? Aren't we supposed to be ramping down a little bit, Sam? If you know me, no, it's the final sermon for quite a while, so strap in. But this tension that we're feeling is nothing new. And remember, two weeks ago, I gave you some homework, right? Can anyone remember what the homework was? The homework was to go read through a book of the Bible and ask yourself this question, what do I see God the Father doing through the Son? And when I went through the book of Mark and read through the book of Mark... I saw Jesus was always in some form of gun battle with the religious leaders. Well, it wasn't like a gun battle. They didn't have guns back then. It's probably more like a sword battle. What did they have? Romans had swords. Maybe the Jewish people, but stone, stone battle. Chucking stones at each other, right? Anyway, it's a metaphor, whatever. Uh, <laughs> he was always having some sort of battle with the religious leaders. And he was always going backwards and forwards with the religious leaders. And we could be so prone as Christians, to think that his battle with the religious leaders was all, you know, law versus no law, rules versus no rules, religion versus no religion, and it wasn't that at all. The tension that they had is the very tension that Barry McMurtry and that conference had of people. It was never about law bad, lawless, lawlessness good, religion bad, no religion good, no. What they were trying to argue about, what Jesus was arguing about was how do we prioritise these good and beautiful values from God and how do we prioritise people? Hear that? Jesus wasn't, and please hear this, Jesus was not anti-religion and he was not anti-law because you hear it from the words of his mouth alone where he says, I have I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets, another way of saying religion, I haven't come to abolish that, I've come to fulfill it. And what he meant by that was, I've come to show you how to live within it in such a way that it nurtures you rather than crushes you. Is this making sense? So in my homework class, (laughs) I pulled out the book of Mark and so we see an example of God the Father working through the Son and we see that Jesus does this, and it's the reason for the season, it's one of the reasons for the season, this is how it applies to Christmas, we see Jesus in this instance that I have here from Mark, deprioritizing religion. Jesus came to deprioritize religion, and we have this story where the religious leaders would get all worked up about a particular issue called Sabbath, Sabbath was another word for a break, I know some of you, you live on the lower North Shore, you don't know what that is, Uh, So you've learned something new today that you're supposed to stop once a week, all of you, off your email now. Some of you probably still flicking through. Sabbath was a break and it was meant to be kept holy and for God and a time for God, a time away from work for God. There was activity in Sabbath. And so they, they got very serious about Sabbath and they were trying to work out all sorts of customs and traditions that they would work out what it is that you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. And so they start to try and ping Jesus for one of the most innocuous things ever. First of all, they tried to ping him for healing on the Sabbath, which I thought was hilarious because there's no Old Testament command that says, thou shalt not heal on the Sabbath, because no one can heal except for Jesus, right? And so they try and ping him for healing, but the next one's just even more innocuous. He's walking through a wheat field with his followers called the disciples, and they start running their hands over the top of the beautiful wheat and grain, and as the grain's falling into their hands, they eat it as a bit of a snack, kind of like ancient popcorn, 
And, and they go, that, see, you did it. Yep, see, you did it. You're harvesting on the Sabbath. You're harvesting on the Sabbath. And so in comes Jesus and he starts telling the story going like, David flippin' did this, says Jesus. In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which was lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. He's saying, if David did it, and David's always right by you guys, if he did it, then it's fine for me to do it. And then he says something that is absolutely startling. It's the reason that makes Christianity messy for us. It's the thing that constantly causes us tension <laughs> in our religious life, because religion's good and it's got its place. And he says the most remarkable thing here, he says this, and then he said to him, the Sabbath, the law, the religion was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. You hear this? What are you saying? In the great history of Israel, like, look at their history. God saves people from slavery in, in Egypt. He saves them first. Then he eventually gives them the law in order to show them how to live their life. <laughs> I think this kind of reflects the modern day thinking. He's saying, you guys have got it all backwards. It's like you're almost saying that the God went and invented all of these beautiful laws up there in heaven. And then he thought, I've got all these beautiful laws. Hmm. I need to create some people in order to follow them, right? And I think that's how the, the modern person thinks, is oh, if there is a God, then He's just created all these rules in order to make my life boring, right? Jesus says you've got it all backwards. It's kind of like, to have that type of thinking would be like a parent saying, oh, listen, hun, I think we should have a child so they can pick up all the toys, I know we laugh, but we, we can live like this. We can live like this when religion becomes first. And so Jesus, in this amazing statement, says, I've come not to abolish religion, I've come to deprioritize religion. Religion has a place, just not first place. And so that's the tension for us, isn't it? Well, which way is it, Sam? Because he said he's not here to abolish the law. At the same time, we can't get caught up in the law, so is it lawlessness, is it law, is it rules, is it not rules, <laughs> am I supposed to keep them, or how, do I, how far do I push this, this is how we think, right? Uh, but I kind of think to my own family, who, who here ever grew up in a strict family? Yeah, we've got a few. And in raising your hand, who wanted to stay around in that family? <laughs> Some of you know that the sorts of parents that are constantly living by rules that will unbudge, you're the type of kid that can't get, wait to get out of the house. Some of you have lived that. I don't want to create that sort of house. And so, you know, Krista and I, we have our set of rules. Dinner, bath, book, bed. Dinner, bath, book, bed. That's our rules. That's our rules. Dinner, bath, book, bed. All by 8 o'clock on the dot. Dinner, bath, book, bed. Uh, but we have moments where it's like end of school holidays and mama done. <laughs> and we know that they can rest tomorrow and it's time for a sleep in. And so we say to the kids, you know what? We're breaking the rules. You can stay up. You can watch a little bit more movie. We'll watch until the next scene. We can do that. It's 8.30, it's 9 o'clock, Dad, but you're breaking your rules. No. I, look, yeah, I'm breaking the rules. But here's the thing, whether I keep the rules or whether I break the rules, my decision to either keep or break the rules is always done with you in mind. What is best for you? 
what would best serve you. God is your great heavenly parent. And when he sets his rules, his intention is always you. God, and I want you to hear this this morning, some of you. God is more interested in you than what you do. He's more interested in you. Because Jesus shows us, in my homework at least, that Jesus came to prioritise people over religion. And so that, why that gets messy is that in every situation, there is no book 301 ways to solve all of your congregation's problems with a simple verse, right? You wouldn't want that right, church, if you came to my office and I just rolled out the same answer each and every time. I'm dealing with this, let me just go to page 67. That's a page 67 problem, glad that you brought it to me. No, you are nuanced, you are individual, you are different, you've got different upbringings. Some of you had strict parents, some didn't have strict parents. You are you, and God is more interested in you. I'm more interested in you as a pastor than the rules. But how do we take those rules and apply it to your life? I think the thing that breaks my heart, church, is that we can get so caught up in the rules as Christians, can't we? And let me just say, like you, you, do, we, you we, I... We do that out of a, a good heart. Like, this is not... We, we do this not because we just want to go out and get all judgy and judgy. I genuinely see in a lot of people, we just want to know, like, Lord, how do, I, how do I apply these beautiful laws of yours in the best possible way? And so I'm going to give you just two simple little ways to do that this morning and to, to not let this drift towards religion and prioritising religion to... To stop that drift of, of, it, of it superseding us in our lives, it shouldn't take first place. And, and here are two surefire ways for that not to happen. Uh, the first one was, was just when I was sitting down with a friend once and we were talking through some contentious issues that yeah, would be pretty contentious when it comes to Christianity or what they think of Christianity. And they'd said to me in that moment, like, why are you why are you even chatting to me about this? Like, uh, isn't the church against this sort of stuff? And it was in that moment that I used the line that I'd heard before and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I just looked him in the eye and I said, you are more important than my view. If you're not sure of how you're to apply this or if someone is grading against what you think is a rule that you might even be contravening, if we see Jesus prioritising people over religion then this is how you stop the bracket creep. You say, maybe not to them out loud, but to yourself, you are more important than my view. And by the way, I didn't invent this. Whoever said it didn't invent it. You see it in the life of Jesus. If you do the homework through the book of John, some of you may have stumbled across, if you got to chapter 4 by Wednesday, you would have seen Jesus sitting with a Samaritan woman by the well. And doesn't it say back in the Scriptures that she was so surprised by this, that the woman says to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? And then the Bible has to explain it for us in brackets, it says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Why? Because of religion. They had differing religious views. And what do we see in the life of Jesus in that moment? The fact that he was sitting with her in the middle of the day when everyone else was not around, what was he saying to her subconsciously? You are more important than my religious view. Jesus was religious, just wasn't first place in his life. You and I each have a woman at the well in our lives, not literally, we don't do wells anymore, 
What I mean is you and I each, we know that we have a person or we have a type of person that represents someone that we would not normally associate with. And so what we see in the life of Jesus here is that he subordinates that stereotype, whether it's around their race or their demographics or their sexuality, people that we wouldn't associate with because of race or demographics or sexuality or maybe the fact that they like the first three movies of Star Wars, right? (laughs) A whole heap of reasons why we would disassociate with someone because of our view. Jesus says, you're more important than my view. Here's the other one. (laughs) It's a simple one that we've talked about this year, church. And it's a simple question that is the driving force in all this. Because look, if you're not the religious type, or if you haven't done church for a while, would you like me to summarize all of the rules of the Bible? Uh, I didn't didn't do it. Jesus did it for us. um, Because someone smarmy asked him, like, "What, what are all the rules in the Bible? And Jesus said this, it's really simple, love God and love other people. (laughs) All of the commandments hang on these two things. So there it is, you don't have to read the whole Bible, love God, love others, says Jesus. And it leads us to the question that we've talked about before, church. When things get messy, we simply ask this question, what does love require of me? If I'm not sure about the rules, if I think someone's breaking the rules, if I'm not sure how to apply the rules, if I'm not even sure what the rule is, what does love require of me? As I have loved you, go love others, says Jesus, and then people will know that you are my disciples. Never let your view get in front of you and ask yourself the question, what does love require of me? If in doubt, help a brother or a sister out. If in doubt, ask, what does love require of me? Because as we finish this morning, I'm glad you find that funny down there, Kristen. (laughs) It is like a rap, isn't it? Yeah, we could work something out. (laughs) As we finish, look, you and I know, and I know your hearts, and I love your heart, but you and I got to watch our hearts. Life is messy, and it's difficult, and it's complicated, Right? And so the way that we often try to solve that as Christians is we can drift towards being religious, trying to find a rule that applies to everything in life. And when you go through and look at the life of Jesus, and maybe this is a surprise for you this morning, maybe this is refreshing for you this morning, maybe you're not yet a Christian and you're checking this out, and maybe you've had a problem with religion like everyone else, please understand Jesus never let his theology get in the way of his ministry. He never let his view get in, in the way of a you that was in front of him, whether it was a woman at the well, whether it was a short guy up a tree. <laughs> we know all of the different stories. And whether it was a tax collector at a booth, I think I could use him in my movement. <laughs> he never let his view get in the way of a you because he prioritized people over religion. And so religion has a place, just not first place. Jesus didn't come for principles and precepts. He came for people. Jesus didn't come to give us laws, he came for the lawless. Jesus didn't come to establish a view, he came for you. And God is more interested in you and what you do to keep his laws or not. He sent his son to solve all of that out, but please walk away from this place understanding why Jesus came. He came for you 
And in turn, may we as his followers make sure that we never prioritize religion over people. Do that, we'll be doing well. Let's pray. (laughs) Father God, we thank you for the model and the life shown to us through your son, Jesus. And Jesus, would you help us? Because I speak on behalf of many people in this place that I love you, Lord, and I want to live your life the best way I possibly can. But Father, I know in my own life that there are ways in which I take the beauty of what you have given us through your perfect and wonderful law and I can twist that to feel good about myself. I can twist it to keep myself at a distance from people. Let's pray for each of us as we head into this Christmas season and reflect on this remarkable truth that the God of the universe became a human being pray that over the holidays that we have and those spaces that we will have inevitably in the quiet times, those moments where as someone once said that our first freedom is where we allow our thoughts to dwell. I pray for each of us that we might dwell on the life that you have modeled to us, Lord Jesus. Help us continue to be a place as Northside has ever always been with a DNA of, of radical, radical inclusion and a place that has been unafraid to rub up against the messiness of life wherever a person's at. Help us to accept people where they are and help them to become all that you have designed them to be, Lord God. And we do it all in love, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.